So I, I was doing a house in, I, I usually in Lantham, Maryland, and it was a gentleman who came to my auction house, and he said, can you do my dad's estate? He passed away. My mom died, you know, 10 years ago. My dad died recently. Not a lot of stuff in the house. Can you sell it for me? And I'm like, yeah. So this traditional estate sale. So I went downstairs, and we're kind of cleaning things out, and I picked up the sewing machine, which is a portable sewing machine downstairs. And it seemed a little heavier than it should be. And I opened it up, and uh, uh, some cash fell out. And uh, I didn't know it at the time, but, you know, as soon as it fell out, but uh, it was over $43,000 in cash that his mom had hidden the sewing machine, and it had been under a table in the basement for the last 10 years. Oh, my uh, goodness. And there was some jewelry and stuff in there, too. So, you know, I called him, and I said, uh, you know, hey, Steve, there's, uh, there's some personal items I found in the house that you might want. And he's like, well, I can't get up there. And I said, well, you might want to get up here this anyway. So, it's a $43,000 so, so, trip. So actually, what he, he lived in Manassas. He said, can you take it to Manassas for me? And I'm like, yeah, I'll take it down there. So I took it to Manassas, and I just had it on the table. And he walked in, and he goes, where was that? I said, it was in a sewing machine. And he picked up his class ring, and he said, and, you know, he's my age. And he goes, this was the only thing I wanted out of that house that I couldn't find was this class ring. And, you know, there was $43,000 plus a bunch of other gold jewelry and, and things like that that we had found in there. So that was that was very rewarding. Brian McDaniel is the founder, the owner, and the operator of Easy Downsizing. He's a retired Marine who spent more than 23 years on active duty. And he brings decades of proven results and experience to this much needed area of expertise. His story is truly remarkable. In fact, he got started in this world of estate sales and auctioneering by frequenting a local auction house so that he might be entertained by the fast talking skill and quickly moving dynamic of auctions. He would later go on to establish a very fruitful auction company while he was on active duty, only to sell it later, which eventually led him to start McDaniel Auction Center and Easy Downsizing. A few weeks ago, I had the great honor of sitting down with Brian to discuss this important area of estate sales and probate. We discuss many, many questions, like how do you choose the most appropriate and proven results-driven company to help in this area? What kind of questions should you ask? What things should you avoid? And there's a story that is actually quite compelling that I'm excited for you to listen to. Welcome to an all-new episode of Probate Navigated. This is the show where I dive deep into probate so that you can be the master of resolving your state so that you, the listener, have a compelling story to tell. We believe that confusing complexity is the enemy to successfully resolving your estate and an educated fiduciary with the right team is the very best way to defeat that enemy and win in probate. I am your host, Jonathan Smith, and I hope you enjoy my conversation with Brian McDaniel. Brian, welcome to the Probate Navigated Show. Hey, Jonathan. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. It's a pleasure to have you here on the show. Really excited for the Probate Navigated tribe here to really learn from what you provide and, and your experience because what this podcast is going to be dedicated to is a, not only in a, a very important matter, but often one that's very overwhelming. Before we get there, let's get to know Brian a little bit. 
So take a moment and tell the listeners here a little bit about yourself and how you got involved into uh, the service that you're providing now with Easy Downsizing. Okay, sure. Um, well, I grew up in Ohio, and uh, um, I joined the Marines when I was 18 years old. Thank you for your service. My pleasure. Um, so around 1984, I, exactly 1984, I was in Jacksonville, North Carolina. My wife was working nights, and you know I was broke and young and didn't have much to do. <laughs> so I was kind of looking for uh, you know entertainment, like what can I do by myself while my wife's at work? And there was an auction nearby. So I'd go and I'd sit at the auction every Tuesday and every really? Saturday. Absolutely. Every night I was there. So I ended up sitting in the front row. Just for entertainment. That was it. Yeah, I just, I just watch. I mean, it was I love in, it. it was interesting to me because you know these antiques are going back and forth, and I'm like, what is that? And who's this auctioneer? And how does he talk so fast? You know, it's a little mm-hmm. little catchy. So uh, the, he would see me there every week, and he finally looked at me. and goes, "Are you going to come here every week?" And I said, "Yes." And he said, "Do you want to work here?" And I said, "Yes, I do." <laughs> so then I was the you know what was called a ringman, where I was the guy who just kind of held up stuff, you know, kind of Vanna Whited it around the room, right, <laughs> while people were bidding on it. So. I, I did that for, uh, you know, about a year or so. And, you know, of course, being in the Marines, you know, it comes time you got to get transferred. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think from there I went out to uh, California for a year. I went to electronic school and then uh, uh, ended up in Virginia Beach. And uh, when I was back in Virginia Beach, I was like, you know, I need to work for another auction company because it's kind of like it's what I like to do. So I didn't find one that I, I, uh, I like, so I, I opened one. So I opened uh, uh, Atlantic Coast Auction and Antiques and... Uh, in Virginia Beach in, uh, in 86. And I, that, w- that was a lot of fun, and I operated for three years. But then, of course, being in the Marines, I had to get rotated again. So I ended up selling the company when I, when I left there. Um, and then I kind of uh, just been playing around with this uh, since then. Uh, again, being on active duty, it's difficult to, to, uh, to work for, for another company at, at that time. So I would yeah, just I buy and sell stuff on the sides. Um, I became a, a certified appraiser so I could, you know, appraise things for people. That was easy enough to do when someone would call me and say, hey, I need this item. You know, how much is this worth? And I could, I could give them a, an accurate appraisal on, on that item. Um, so pause for a moment. When you started your own auction company, uh-huh. how old were you then? Oh, I was, let's see, I was born in 61, and that was in 87, so I guess I was like 26 years old. I love it. Okay. (laughs) So a young man hustling, wanting to provide a great service. Now, did you learn how to speak fast and run an auction, too? Um, I did. Oh, wow. Now, in in Virginia at that time, um, there there were no licensed auctioneers. Wow. So, So you were one of a kind. Well... There were auctioneers. They just weren't licensed. They're, it's like realtors. Realtors have a license. Uh-huh. Uh, auctioneers now have a license. Back then, you didn't need a license. You could just go down and say, I want to be an auctioneer. And they say, okay. And you just you just did it. Um, the, the rules have changed since then. Now you have to go to auction school. Really? And, uh, yeah, well, yeah, it's a 40-hour class. You know, it's uh, two weeks. Uh, I, I'm sorry, it's 80 hours. So it's two weeks of, of auction training okay. where, where they teach you kind of how to talk fast but more importantly is people understand you you don't want to talk so fast that people are like what did he just say <laughs> you know so it's it's more important to be clear than it is to be fast right but you know the, the idea of an auction is you got a lot of stuff to sell in a short period of time and you yeah. want to kind of kind of sell it quickly so uh but the days of like rowing stuff up like tobacco and selling it are, are kind of going away i mean yeah those you know the live auction houses are kind of uh kind of dwindling now and the attention's in different places now it is it's on a screen 
It, it is, it is. Um, and, and that's where we're going to go to in a minute here. Um, anyway, I ended up retiring from the Marines in 2003. I did okay. 23 years of, of active service. Wow. And uh, Were you doing the auctioneering during the, those 23 years of active service as well? I, yeah, I was, yeah. I owned, you an were. Auction, I owned an auction company while I was on active duty. Wow. Absolutely. You weren't busy at all. As an appraiser. No, it it was was kind of like a hobby, right, that you got paid to do. I mean, I love doing it. Wow. So um, did did that, got my, you know, appraiser certification, um, appraised stuff, you know, found eBay, started selling stuff on eBay, which I enjoy doing that. You can do that part-time. Found myself in Okinawa, actually, in the uh, kind of like the uh, mid to late 90s when eBay first started kicking off there mm-hmm. and my ebay username at the time was orient express because i was actually selling stuff from japan were you really absolutely while i was in the marines so i mean i totally got into like japanese art and antiques and oh, wow. and swords and you know all of it i just love the history of places so i just wish these items that you find could like tell you the story right yeah. so you got to kind of make up a story for it so um so i did that did the whole ebay thing retired from the marines and uh Worked for SAIC, you know, the tech company for, mm-hmm. for several yep. years, you know, climbing that corporate ladder. Worked for the government for a couple of years and uh, back in Virginia, you know, I was back in uh, the D.C. area. And uh, I hated it. And I was like, you know what, I need to be selling stuff. So uh, I resigned from, uh, from my sweet government job, having no idea what I was going to do. Mm. And then I opened up a live auction in Manassas. And that was McDaniel Auction Center, which we ran for about... Uh, uh, just a little over four four years. We did live auctions. We did about one or two a week, every week for like four years. Wow! And uh, we got up there and get to talk fast, you know, and sell <laughs> yes. a lot of stuff. People bringing your stuff. But it but it had its flaws doing the live auctions, and it and it was a great time. But it became a social event because <clears throat> every week, I knew the same forty people who showed up every single week, and they mm. all knew each other. Yeah. And uh, I mean, they were friends with each other, and. I'm trying to sell stuff, and they don't want to bid against each other because they don't want to bid against their friends. Oh, wow. So it kind of got to the point where it's like, you know what, guys? This is more than coming here and getting a hot dog and a cup of coffee and having a good time. You know, it's, it's kind of a business. So um, unfortunately, I, I closed that down and started doing online auctions, which uh, nobody knows who's bidding against you on an online auction. Even though it may be the same people, you don't, you don't know who those people are. Mm-hmm. So it's a little more, little more competitive, a little more fair. Uh, for this for the seller obviously um, and, and so much more efficient uh, uh, than, than the live auctions because a lot of times with the live auction I'm, I'm trying to sell something I'm trying to get a good price for it and uh, unless it's what's called an absolute auction the auctioneer does not have an absolute requirement to sell it I can get mm. it to a certain price and it if I don't like that price I can say set it back we're not going to sell it which, which happens a lot of times. You know, if someone brings in a nice dining room table and I get a $20 bid on it, you know, people look at me and say, are you going to sell it or are you not going to sell it? Well, I want to sell it, but am I, do it, am I doing my seller a, a service by right. selling it? Right. So, you know, I take my, you know, 30, 35%, whatever it was, and, you know, I say, hey, I sold your dining room table for $16, and then, you know, they're mad at me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, so when you shut down McDaniel auction center uh-huh. it was in existence for four years right and then you moved to online auction and is that at the same time that you switched or pivoted to this easy downsizing no I actually continued to go under mcdaniel auction it center did, okay but instead of live we were doing uh, online auctions. online auctions absolutely 
And yeah. so now how long have you been doing that, the online piece? Online we've been doing since, uh, let's see, 15, about, about three or four years now. Wow. And uh, I love it. Uh, tell, tell me what you love about it. Well, I, I love it, and I, I love the transparency to, okay. to the yep. seller. Um, and we'll talk about the estate sales part in a, in a minute here, but if you're the executor of a, of a house full of stuff, and uh, whether it goes good or whether it goes <clears> bad, it, it, falls on, it falls on your shoulders. Yeah. It doesn't matter who you hire, even though you may not be a roofing guy, if you hire the wrong roofing guy, it's, it's your fault, yeah. right? So the same way with uh, when you're liquidating the estate, you know, when you're selling the items at that estate, you're kind of relying on the uh, the qualifications of the person doing that for you. And if someone says to you, "Hey, what did Aunt Jenny's diamond ring sell for?" and you do like a traditional estate sale, you can go, "Well, it sold for a hundred dollars," and like that's all it sold for. Well, well, maybe it did or maybe it didn't, but that's what you're told it sold for. Mm-hmm. Where with an online auction, I mean, it goes online and there's a picture of Aunt Jenny's diamond ring, and uh, People can bid on it, and when that auction is over, you see how much that diamond ring had sold for. Yes. So now the executor has a peace of mind. Is like, look, it went up there. Everybody in the United States had an opportunity to bid on that ring, and, and that's what it sold for. And not only does everybody um, in the United States have an opportunity to bid on that ring, as an executor, someone might say, you know what, I want, I want Aunt Jenny's ring, or I want, you know, um, this chair. You know, it was sentimental to me. Well, maybe as the executor or the estate administrator, you're not at the liberty right. to give those things to the family members, right? right. What, I, what I like about this process is, is they can bid on those if they want to. If they want Aunt Jenny's chair, you know, rather than the executor saying, you can have it, it's only worth $20, now, now they can bid on it. They can get it, and they can, they can have it, and it kind of takes the pressure off the executor. And, and the possible conflict. Absolutely. Relational conflict in within the family. That's it's absolutely that's big time. And, and if it's a car, if it's something big, and let's say there's three stakeholders, and you know someone wants to buy the car for ten, twenty thousand dollars, whatever it is. Well, that money goes to the estate, then it gets divided up amongst that's right. the three of them. That's so right. It kind of filters back again. That's really good. So let's let's take a moment here, Brian, and talk a little bit about th- this. Is often one of the more emotional pieces of resolving an estate. And there's a number of people who have tangible property inside of the house that are doing or wanting to do exactly what you help a particular client with. Correct. Take a moment and tell us what are the most important criteria. We've already, it sounds like there's one, transparency. Transparency right now seems to be best accomplished in an online environment where you can actually see bids and then final pricing. What are some other really important criteria or factors that somebody listening should consider when looking into this as a possible option for dealing with personal property? Okay, um, so I'll just go on to say that, that now we do almost exclusively estate sale online auctions. Okay. So it's an estate sale, but, it, but it's online. So right. that's kind of the, the focus of our business right now and the focus of, of easydownsizing.com. Mm-hmm. So we transitioned the name recently from McDaniel Auction Center to easydownsizing.com because it's a little more intuitive because when people yeah. think auction, they don't necessarily think estate sale. No. Like if you want to sell your stuff at an estate sale and you want to get good money for it, you don't go, well, let's call an auction company. Yeah. So, uh, but it makes sense to do an online auction. And uh, there, there's several reasons for that. One is the 100, 100% accountability of everything that gets sold. So the sellers or the stakeholders, you know, they can view the auction, you, you know, um, while it's in action, and they can see 
um, what the prices are realized for every single item that was in that house. There's 100% accountability. And if something doesn't sell for some reason, it says right there, zero. There, there was no bid on that. No bid. So the family realizes that, you know what, nobody bought the cat scratched up sofa, which we would let them know going in. It's probably not going to sell. It's ambitious to think that someone wants that in their house. <laughs> so, but they And can, from what you're saying, it's almost, for anybody listening who's familiar with eBay, Right. You can see real-time updates Absolutely. for bids, and what the platform that you all are using is providing the exact same thing. Am I correct? It, it, it is. Wow. Um, and what happens is if, if we've got 400 items in this estate, we'll say, we're going to say it's going to start on this, on this day. It's going to run for about seven days, and it's going to start ending at 6.30 p.m. on this day, and then all of the items will end kind of in sequence. So the first item will end, then the second, then the third, then the fourth, then the fifth. Um, and the only reason it may go out of order is our auctions are set up to do what we call um, a soft close. And, and that means uh, rather than eBay where it goes five, four, three, two, one, that, that item's over with. If somebody bids in the last two minutes of an item, that, that item is automatically extended two more minutes. So as long as people hmm. are bidding on that item, It'll, 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 it'll remain it's open. Live. It'll, it's live. So, Which ends up being better for the seller because you could get it a multiple offer situation just like real estate. You're exactly right. It, the seller and the buyer because sometimes buyers, they're like, well, I want to get this. And then they think they have it. And then the last minute, you know, someone comes in and cuts them out for, you know, a dollar And then they want to come back. It's a human principle. We chase that which moves away from us. But, exactly. So now you exactly. take it. Or somebody else, rather, bids for it, and now the person who had the prior bid that really wanted it now bids again. Absolutely. That's fantastic. So it, can, it can continues. So this is great for the buyers and the sellers. It's terrible for me because sometimes I'm here at night waiting for this thing to end, and I got you know two people fighting over one thing for another for another hour, you know, which which is which is actually pretty interesting. Mm -hmm. But uh, they they end in sequence unless that happens, and sometimes item number two will stay open, and meanwhile three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, they're they've already closed, but two has still got some yeah. some yeah. active bidding okay. going on there. So also with the online auction, as opposed to the, uh, the estate sale auction uh, or the state sale process, is, is the fair pricing, where these people keep each other, um, keep each other honest. So when you put something up there, um, people have a general idea what it is. I, you know, I'm taking nothing away from the estate sale people around here, but I've gone to estate sales here and, and walked into very... Uh, um, well-known estate sale companies and picked up books and sold them for $300 and that they're selling for $2 a piece just because they don't know what they are. Wow. Well, you take that same book and you put it on, you know, an online auction. If you say what that book is, there's people out there who know what that is and they're going to bid and, and get that price for it, hopefully. So it's, it's the whole fair pricing thing where even if you're not uh, you know, because everybody's not smart in, in every category of everything. But if you take a picture of it, you put it online, there's probably three or four or five people out there who know what it is. And, well, and it's a worldwide auction. This is not it's just, absolutely. This, is, this is not contingent upon active presence at a local auction center. You're right. You're not, you're not uh, relying on those. You've got exposure those. for the 8 billion people on the planet who have yeah. access to, <laughs> to a computer who are looking for maybe an item like that. You're right. We're going to get to that because you're not geographically kind of limited yeah. with, with the online thing as you would be a traditional auction or yes. a traditional estate sale. And we, we ship things. I mean, if people want to buy something and they want it shipped, then uh, we'll certainly coordinate that uh, 
and we can ship it and we ship things every auction somebody wants something from from out of state so it's that there's that fair pricing aspect that whether or not the estate sale company knows the price or not the online auction uh, bidders will keep each other honest through that's that process. great that's good um, and then even though there's not uh, a lot of, of of loss during an estate sale um, there are things that get damaged uh, during mm-hmm. an estate sale that have become unsellable. And as much as I like to think people don't steal stuff, people steal stuff. So when you open up your house and you've got hundreds of people running in and out, you know, something's going to come misplaced and something's going to get lost and something's going to mm-hmm. get broken. So there's a little bit of loss associated with that that there's not with this online auction process. It's more secure. It's very secure. And the only people coming into the house are the, are the people who ended up buying stuff and they're going to show up with their paid receipt and say you know I bought the couch and the dining room table and those four little tchotchkes over there and we say perfect you know we come in we direct them to those items they pick them up and they carry them out of the house and they're in and out very quickly so that that's another benefit to it uh, so that it's the whole less traffic in the home type thing and some people they're not comfortable opening up their house for an estate sale or their right. parents house or their loved ones house because right. You know, I don't know what the, uh, you know, situation may be, but a lot of times you have an estate sale, it's kind of like you have an open house. The people that go are, are the neighbors just because they want to be kind of looky-loos, right? They want to kind of see, hey, let's see what's going on in, in this house here. So with the online auction, it, it kind of prevents a little bit of that, where the only people actually going into the house are the people who have committed to purchase things from the home. One of the things you just spoke to is if you were to do a, uh, an estate sale, Yes. At a property, mm-hmm. physical estate sale as opposed to online. Right. You run the risk of people coming in the house and stealing well, items. It happens, yes. So let's, let me ask you this. What are some things that listeners who are wanting to do this should avoid? So that would be an example. Be careful with physical estate sales because you do have a greater risk of things being lifted as opposed to an online. What are some other things that individuals thinking about doing this should consider and or avoid what are some dangers um, well things they need to look out for are, are of course that there's going to be there's going to be some some loss there's going to be the accountability thing okay. as well i mean there, there are some very reputable estate sale companies out there there, there are some that are not you know um if, if you're going to look at someone's contract and they say they're licensed bonded and insured um, find out who, who they're licensed with, okay? And what, what type of license do they have? There are no estate sale companies in the state of Virginia that require you to have a license. Now, you should have a business license if you're running a business. So if a estate sale company comes in and says, we don't, we don't charge sales tax, then you say, why, why don't you charge sales tax? You know, you're a business, and of course, the state of Virginia wants, uh, you know, their cut, or commonwealth, you know? <laughs> so they want their piece, and some of them just take cash. And it's like, why would you just take cash you know why don't you take credit cards why don't you take checks and maybe they don't want some sort of electronic uh, right you know record of what's going on so right. if they're they're if that should be a red flag to somebody okay Good. so you want to deal with a company that's you know license bonded insured and it should say that on their contract you know here here's, here's our license number here's our bond number and this is our insurance if you if you have any problems or anything like that so those are important things to look for or things to ask um, how are things accounted for? Some people at the end of an estate sale will say, you know, your sale came to $10,000, we took our 35%, here's $6,500 and we'll write you a check. And you go, well, what sold and how much did it sell for? Hmm. You know, they don't know. Some estate sale companies, they'll write everybody who comes in the door a receipt, you know, write down an itemization. And then as the seller at the end of the sale, 
you get an itemized receipt of, of what's sold and, and for how much it's sold for, or, or an inventory, not necessarily a receipt, but an accounting. Um, and that way you know if there's a couple pieces like, hey, what happened to the you know silver set over there? It's, it should either be there or it should be on that, that particular accounting, yeah. right? So those are things to, to look out for, and those are, those are questions to ask estate sale companies when, Good. when you're trying to vet them or trying to find out which is the right one for you. And you want to obviously interview more than one. Right. You know, the first one who comes to your door is probably going to be the most charming person you ever met in your life, you know, and you're going to like them and, you're going to, you know, they're going to put a contract in front of you and say, sign here, seven copies, press hard. And uh, you kind of, even though you want to do that and even you think it's the right person, you should probably at least interview at least two more, you know, talk to three and then you may go back to that first one, you know, right. but at least you have the information. And if you're the executor, if things go wrong, it's going to come back on you. At least you can say, I talked to three companies. You know, I did my right. due diligence, and, and this one appeared to be the one that seemed the most reputable and the one that's going to do justice okay, by good. us. What questions should they ask, Brian? They so should. here I am. I'm sitting with you. I want to do an estate sale. What questions should I be asking you to discern if, if you're the best guy for the job? What should they ask the other two that they're going to possibly uh, You know what? It, it should be a list of the exact same questions. First question should be, um, over the phone, send me a copy of your contract. I want okay, to look yeah. at it. Okay? And we want to know license, bond, insured by who? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We want to know that stuff. This is before they even show up. Mm -hmm. Okay, if they say, well, we don't send our contracts by email, you say, okay, thank you, and then you talk to the next guy. They should send it to you by email. You should be able to go through there and find out any, you know, questions that you may have about anything that's within their contract and show it to your other stakeholders, if you got yeah. brothers or sisters or whoever it may be that may be involved in this, and they may have questions. So that's important. So those are questions you're going to come up with first. Second is how much do you charge to do the estate sale? You know, what is your commission? What's average? What's normal? 35 to 40%. 35 to 40%. Now, okay. there, there's probably someone out there who will do it for 20. doesn't mean that they're the, the best qualified. No, you, you get know? what you pay for, right? You're exactly right. Yeah. So the person who charges, you know, Christie's, you know, they, they may charge 50% to sell your painting, you know, and, and Bob's estate sale may charge you 10% to sell it. Well, you know, Christie's may end up getting you $4 million and Bob may end up getting you 20 <laughs> Four bucks. bucks. Right. But, okay, but, good. Bob, but Bob's only charging you 5%, right? So that's a better deal. So, so those are things to consider. Don't, don't be swayed by how much commission that they charge. You know, you should ask them, how much do you think the house is worth? Mm -hmm. I mean, point blank. Look at them in the eye and say, how much do you think the house is worth? If they can't tell you twelve dollars to $14,000 or give you some sort of number, if they go, well, I don't know, you know, it's the wrong, it's the wrong yeah. company. Yeah. They should be able to give you a number. And that guy who's charging you, you know, 20%, he might go, you know, four to 6,000, where the guy who's charging you 40%, he might say, you know, four to 17,000, mm -hmm. somewhere in that range. Mm -hmm. So ask them that question. Good. Okay. What um, else? Any other questions? Yeah. Do you have a list of referrals? You want to speak to their recent referrals? <coughs> Not the same three they've been using for the last 20 years, you know? Mm -hmm. Find out someone who they've done a sale for in the last, you know, six months. Good. And, and talk to them, of course. Um, and can you put reserve on items? Like, hey, I got this tea set here, you know, I can take it down to get it melted for $1,800. You know, I want a reserve on this of eighteen hundred bucks. Mm -hmm. If you can get more for it, great. But I want eighteen hundred dollars for it because that's what I can take it down and and sell it for. Right. Rather than giving it to them and then they're charging you thirty five percent out of the eighteen hundred because they're taking it down and getting it melted too. 
That's good. So ask them about certain things. If you got a car, for instance, you know, and you're like, look, the car's worth X. I'm not going to pay you 35% to sell my car. I can get X for it. Can you get above this certain price? So again, look at them in the eye and say, I will include this in the sale, but this is the number that I need for it. And, and sometimes they'll say, we don't want to do that, but most of the time they will, because even if they don't sell it, it's going to bring attention to the sale. Now, interesting, do you all sell vehicles as well in estate sales? Absolutely. You do? That's, we sell the only thing You see everything but the house? We sell everything. There you're you go. you're exactly right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, one thing that's interesting, a lot of people don't know it, if I may just bring it up, is there's, there's uh, the only thing that people can't sell is you can't sell alcohol and you can't sell live animal mounts. Uh, like mounts? Mounts, like a deer head. You cannot sell those. It's illegal in the state of Virginia, unless <laughs> it's true. I mean, Boy, let's pause for a moment. We got connected through uh, a friend and a, a friend slash coworker for you, uh -huh. whose husband. That's exactly what he does. He's is, a taxidermist. He's a taxidermist. Yes. I did not know. I knew you couldn't sell alcohol. I did not know that you could. You could not sell animal mounts not in the state of Virginia really you can't sell an animal mount or a part of an animal unless you're a taxidermist or unless you're a licensed auctioneer wow so, so does that mean that you could then I can do it you can do it now there there are online auction companies out there who are not licensed auctioneers but within the state of Virginia you have to be either a licensed auctioneer or a taxidermist to sell those parts and, and the reason they implemented this because they don't want people being bounty hunters on animals where you know someone oh, okay. goes hey I'll give you yeah. you know 80 bucks if you go shoot me a get me a bear paw and the next thing you know you got someone out there trying to hunt down a bear or something that makes sense so, th okay. so that's the reason for that now is someone gonna arrest you because you got you know grandpa's old broken down deer head at your yard sale probably not but uh, there are people who've gotten in trouble for selling animal parts that is that's interesting i didn't know that so, so let that be a, a word of caution here everybody listening to this do not try and sell <laughs> at a sale okay good so are there any other price. questions okay yeah and the shoot people that they should be asking yeah you want to ask them if, if they sell things before the sale like if they say my sale is going to be friday saturday and sunday you can say do you pre-sell do you have people who are coming here and buy things before you even open up and some of them do some of them will allow that mm-hmm I don't know why they would do that, but 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 they do. So another thing is, do you let your employees buy buy things? And some of them do, and some of them don't. Well, that's a bit of a conflict of interest there. If you're yeah. going to let your employees buy things, especially if you're going to let them buy them on the first day. Yeah. And if you're going to put, you know, a hundred bucks on something and it's still there, and you got a three-day sale, it's there on the last day. Can your employee buy that if they want it? Well, it's probably not unreasonable. But mm -hmm. to sell it to them on the first day, there may be a conflict of interest in that. You know, how many days are the sales going to be? What days will they run? Um, another good question to ask them is, do they have a physical location? Okay. You know, uh, you're dealing with an estate sale company and they give you a P.O. box. It's like, well, where are you? Where are if you? I need to find you, if you're licensed, where is your license out of? Your license is not out of that P.O. box. Okay, you got a license in the state of Virginia to con conduct business. Well, you have to have a physical location. So if you need to go hunt this person down for some reason, you know, there's stories that, I know somebody who had an estate sale done for them. Um, company did it, and they never heard from them again. Never got paid for their stuff. Can't find the people. Didn't have a physical address. So, something else to consider there. Wow. Yeah, it's another horror story there. Well, let's ask. Let's pivot to this, Brian. Let's talk about mistakes. Sure. Some maybe some common mistakes or mistakes that you see people making on a repeated basis. 
what what are the most commonly avoidable mistakes that people could not make now that they're listening to you on this that maybe you haven't mentioned already? I, I'd say the biggest one is going with the first company okay. through the door there. Okay. Uh, and, you know, and it might be the right company, but uh, it could also it could also be you know the, the wrong company and you don't know. So you know, do yourself the the favor. Do you do the rest of the stakeholders you know a favor by by talking to to several several different companies, get a few different ideas of what your what your items are worth, maybe even get a third party appraiser to come in there and appraise some some of the items for you, so you have an idea if there's anything in the house that's that's worth a lot of money. You know, if this estate sale company is coming in there and they're selling it for you, um, they obviously want to achieve the most amount of money for you. Mm-hmm. But let's say that there's a a state sale company out there that's not as ethical and you've got a Renoir on the wall there and they end up selling it for a hundred bucks on the first day to who knows who but it's just not there anymore right now whether they did it intentionally or unintentionally you don't know but you're not the expert so it's not a terrible idea to have a, a third-party appraiser come through and say that's worth something that's worth something and that's worth something okay, and that, good. And that might cost you a you know 150 bucks or, or someone to come through and do that for you but in the long run, it, it may it may be worth it rather than relying on uh, somebody who may have a conflict of interest. What about this? Tell, is there a story, Brian, that when you look back on all of the clients that you've you've had the privilege of serving, uh-huh. is there one story that you look back on and find the most compelling, both for you personally, and also when you're talking about referrals, testimonials? This is a story that maybe you share with people that what you were able to accomplish, the results you were able to deliver? Um, you know, there, there's always a lot of, uh, you know, I, I do this because I really enjoy doing it. I love going in and finding something and someone goes, wow, I didn't know what that was. I didn't know what it's worth. You know, I thought it was a piece of tin. And, it, you know, I find out it's, you know, it's a Tiffany vase. It's not marked, but it's still worth, you know, a few thousand bucks. It's like the antique roadshow. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're exactly right. Um, so I, I was doing a house and I, I usually in Lantham, Maryland, and it was a gentleman who came to my auction house, and he said, can you do my dad's estate? He passed away. My mom died, you know, 10 years ago. My dad died recently. Not a lot of stuff in the house. Can you sell it for me? And I'm like, yeah. So this traditional estate sale. So I went downstairs, and we're kind of cleaning things out, and I picked up the sewing machine, which is a portable sewing machine downstairs, and it seemed a little heavier than it should be, and I opened it up, and uh, uh, some cash fell out, and uh, I didn't know it at the time, but, you know, as soon as it fell out, but uh, it was over $43,000 in cash that his mom had hidden the sewing machine, and it had been under a table in the basement for the last 10 years. Oh, my uh, goodness. And there was some jewelry and stuff in there, too. So, you know, I called him, and I said, uh, you know, hey, Steve, there's, uh, there's some personal items I found in the house that you might want. And he's like, well, I can't get up there. And I said, well, you might want to get up here this anyway. So, it's a $43,000 so, so, so trip. Actually, what he, he lived in Manassas. He said, can you take it to Manassas for me? And I'm like, yeah, I'll take it down there. So I took it to Manassas, and I just had it on the table. And he walked in, and he goes, where was that? I said, it was in a sewing machine. And he picked up his class ring, and he said, and you know, he's my age. And he goes, this was the only thing I wanted out of that house that I couldn't find was this class ring. And, you know, there was $43,000 plus a bunch of other gold jewelry and, and things like that that we had found in there. So that was that was very rewarding. Wow. So, you know, there's another time you just, you know, clean out a sock drawer or something and hit an envelope and, you know, found $10,000 in, in an envelope that uh, the family didn't know was there. And they really needed the money. So yeah. it's... Uh, that's rewarding. Someone else was, you know, they're getting ready to sell their house and uh, 
told me to sell everything in it. Now I'm doing online auctions and uh, kitchen full of you know, you know knives and stuff like that, kitchen gadgets. And uh, they were in a tray, like you get your silverware tray. And I lifted it out, and there was a, a like a diamond engagement ring under there. And I called him and I said, you know, there's a diamond engagement ring here. And he goes, you know, my sister and I were looking for that, and we couldn't find it anywhere. So it's just things like that you can find and give them back to the family and uh, that that's that makes the job worth yeah that's remarkable that's so, terrific anyway so so if time. if someone was looking at this as a as a task to to complete mm-hmm. as a personal representative executive fiduciary resolving an estate walk us through the process of what it might look like to meet with you from start to finish what are we really looking at in terms of a of an overall macro process? Um, well, they'd call us and we'd go out there and do like an assessment of the, of the house. Some okay. some houses are not worth doing uh, an online auction or even an estate sale. There's just not enough value there. Okay, yes. so we need to come out there and we need to make sure, um, you know. But we're happy to point out to you that like this is worth something, this is worth something, and this is worth something. So there might be 10, 12 items there that have value, but. You know, if we're going to go out there and do an online auction, and companies have like a three, three thousand, thirty-five dollar minimum, hmm. and uh, it's just not there. Yeah. You know, they may make theirs, but then at the end, you don't get anything. So right. why, doesn't why would sense. you do that? So we would come out there and let them know. Does it make sense to do it? How much is it worth? And what are you going to end up with when we're done? So that's that's step number one. And if they say, yeah, we want to do this, you know, we've talked to some other companies, and we want to go with your company. Um, you know, we sign we sign a contract at that time, um, and then we need access to the property. Mm-hmm. Usually, three or four days, and we'll go in there. We'll take a picture of everything in the house, and uh, write a little description of it, and then we put it uh, online. And then uh, we'll put the start hit the start button on that thing, and the auction will start taking place. Everything starts at one dollar, which sounds really really scary, <laughs> but we sell Rolex watches, we sell cars, we we sell everything, and uh, people keep each other honest. Um, so then the auction will end in about a week. We'll schedule a pickup day, and then everybody who won something will show up on that day, typically a Saturday, between 10 and, we'll say, 2. They'll have their paid invoice with them, because when you register for the auction, you register with a credit card, and you pay upon completion of the auction when the auction's over. So they show up, we direct them to their items, and they carry them out of the house, and usually that Saturday the, the sale is over. Uh, the executor or, or a state administrator then has... Uh, that uh, digital record of everything that's sold and how much it's sold for that stays on our website easydownsizing.com plus we also provide them uh, a printout of everything that's sold and and how much it's sold for so they have both of those that's terrific wow that's pretty much it that's the process that's simple I like how it's transparent completely there's a high degree of accountability uh, an executor, should they want to, ha- can get real-time updates to see exactly what has transpired. Exactly. And I think that is uh, that's that's a blessing of being in the internet age, because there is more transparency. There, there, there is, and and this is also beneficial because it kind of levels the playing field for the uh, for that's the right. bu- for the buyers as well. Because right. uh, you know, I I made up the phrase, you know, if you want to get a good deal at an estate sale, you can't be early; you got to be first. So it's like usually the first one who gets their name on that sign-up sheet on the first day that it opens and gets through the door the first, they're the ones who are going to get the good deals and hopefully the, the estate sale company made a mistake. You know, there's something in there that's worth a lot of money that someone's going to buy and they're going to leave and they're going to 
you know, benefit from it. For this kind of levels the playing field, it's yeah, like it everybody can get on there, everybody can bid. There are no, you know, got to get up at six o'clock in the morning to get right. out the door to right to go get that. That's fantastic. So okay, good. So question that we always ask every guest on the Probate Navigated show is if you if you could have a billboard or if you could have say uh, any social media banner uh-huh. that would get a single message out to thousands and thousands of people considering doing an estate sale what would what would your say and why oh that's a that's a good question there um you know, I, I've always liked, even when I was in the Marines, you know, for never and ever and ever, you know, I had a little sign that hung up that said, none of us is as smart as all of us. That's good. I and, like it. I you know, it. Ken Blanchard, it's not my quote. I wish that it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, you know, it doesn't matter what you're doing, you know, and, and even I have a team of, of great people that, that, that work for me. And uh, I have people that, that work for me in doing these, you know, these downsizing type stuff and what have you. And... Uh, you know, it doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't matter if they're, you know, 12 years old or, or, or 85 years old, you know. None of us are as smart as, as all of us That's are. That's well said. So, uh, well said. Everybody has, everybody has some, uh, you know, some input on things. So. And with the way you do all it. do the online auctions, you leverage the overall intelligence of the many versus the, the possible, well, really, gap of the one. Absolutely, and that were end up ends up working to the seller and the buyer's favor, which is tremendous. Absolutely, that's fantastic, Brian. Okay, well, let me ask you this last question here, Brian. How can people find more information about you? How could they contact, reach out to you, should they want to really pursue this and, and talk to you about possibly serving them in this area? How do they how do they connect with you? Well, they can uh, they could reach us at our our phone number at five seven one three nine three one two four three. Or go to our website, which is also our name, EZ, not E-A-S-Y, but the letters, EZ, um, downsizing.com. And, uh, and I also have on there, it's a list of uh, uh, downsizing tips. So it's not related to me. It's related to, you know, these are a lot of these questions that I came up with right here, you know, things you want to ask, they're all on there. So there's a, a list of things that you want to consider and a list of questions you want to ask uh, you know, different estate sale companies, if you're going to interview several estate sale companies, um, to kind of find the best one that's going to that's gonna meet your needs there. That's great. All right. Well, Brian, thank you for stopping by and visiting with us on the Probate Navigated Show. It has been a privilege having you, so thank you. Oh, my pleasure, Jonathan. Thanks again for having me. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with the one and only Brian McDaniel. And if you did, folks, please be sure to let us know. Leave us a review if we've delivered any value to you whatsoever. It's only going to help us make future episodes that much better. Best place to connect with me is on Instagram at I am Jonathan Smith. Be the first to learn about future episodes or also listen to past episodes by subscribing to the show. You can subscribe to the show on all of the podcast platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and others. And just by way of reminder, you can access everything discussed in the show, including the resources Brian referred to at medium.com forward slash at probate journal. And until next time, and as always, thank you for listening. Have a great day.